Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and there's no doubt that in recent weeks and months, I've been kind of critical about the Robinhood traders, right? I call them Robinhood bros. A lot of these people that are getting into the stock market, they've been using stimulus checks, they've been using unemployment, the extra $600 a month, and they're just throwing it into the stock market. They're getting credit lines, they're getting second mortgages. It's all very bad. Now that doesn't mean that there isn't some good Robin Hood traders out there. But the Robin Hood bros as a whole, they're not really using a lot of discernment when it comes to trading. They're just jumping in whatever everybody else is trading in. And if this stock's running, I'm going to trade in that. If David Portnoy's buying this, I'm going to buy that as well. And they're just, it's just a herd mentality. And so there was a recent article in the New York Times, and you can Google it. I can't really give a link over a podcast, right? But anyways, it's called Robin Hood has lured young traders sometimes with devastating results. I'm just going to go through this article with you and just kind of give you some feedback. It's a kind of a different approach on a podcast than what I've done in ever before. But I think it's a good article. And I'm not even really a fan of New York Times. I'm really not. This is a good piece of journalism here. And so anyways, it has a subtext that says it's users buy and sell the riskiest financial products and do so more frequently than customers at other retail brokerage firms, but their inexperience can lead to staggering losses. Now, they highlight this guy, Richard Dubatsi. I don't know if I said his name right. Okay, he's a guy from San Diego. He lost $860,000 back in March on the Robinhood app. I mean, it was crazy. The guy's like 31 years old or 32 years old, and he signed up in 2017. He funded his account with $15,000 in credit card advances. First off, that is literally the worst thing that you can do to get into the stock market is by taking on debt. Absolutely the worst possible thing. My mind blows on the second paragraph of this article just because it says the guy took $15,000 out in credit card advances. And it just says that he kept on losing money. And so what, what, what did he do? He took out two $30,000 home equity loans. Dude, this is a guy with a family and a wife. And he's taking out two $30,000 home equity loans. Dude, that's a problem right there. That's not a guy that's looking after his family. He's got a gambling addiction. I'm kind of curious. Did he tell his wife he was doing all this stuff? Because I feel like any any functional marriage would probably have a spouse that would say, you know what, just from the outside looking in, this doesn't look like a normal thing that you should be doing. But anyways, he took out two $30,000 home equity loans so he could buy and sell more of these speculative stocks that he was doing. And he was even getting into options. And he had all these debts that were accumulating, right? But here's the irony of it all. Dude, his his value in his account shot up to over a million dollars. But then all of it disappeared. And his balance is now only $6,956. Here's so here's what's so crazy about that. I know a lot of people that had similar stories back in the 1990s, late 1990s. I had one guy, I'll never forget this. It was probably back in 2003 he told me about this. He had bought Sun Microsystems. I think he said that he was worth $4 million at the time, which is a ton of money. And I just remember looking at him with these like big eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, you didn't sell? I was like, no, my magic number was $5 million I was getting out. So here's the crazy thing. He said his magic number was $5 million, okay? I was a new grad out of college at this time. His number was not $5 million. Hindsight, he says, 
I would have gone out with five million. That's what he's really trying to tell you. He's trying to think that he would have. But when he would have hit five million, he would have been greedy for ten million. And if he would have hit ten million, he'd been greedy for fifteen million. It's the same thing that's unfolding. This guy, he was up over a million dollars. Do you think he was stopping there? No, he wanted two million. And if he got two million, he wanted a five million, and from five million to ten million. That's how it works. There's a movie out there called Wall Street Part Two: Money Never Sleeps. You guys have probably heard of that. Any case, there's a scene in the movie that was really telling. And it's the basis for everything I'm telling you right here. The young guy, I can't remember his name, but he was like one of the main characters, Shia LaBeouf or whatever that dude's name is. And it was Josh Brolin. They're talking. And Josh Brolin's playing the role of a guy who's very rich on Wall Street, making millions and millions of dollars. And and the the Shia character, he's, he's young and new to the game, but he's starting to get his feet wet, starting to make a name for himself. And he's over at the guy's house. And he says, what's your number? And the guy says, what do you mean? What's, what's your number? And I think he thought maybe he was talking about like an art painting or something. I was like, no, he's like, what's your number that you need to be able to walk away from this game and ne- never come back? And he kind of laughed at him and he just said more. Now, why is that? Why is that so interesting is because that's what most traders are are doing to themselves too, is that they never know when to get out. They never know when to say, hey, you know what? I got really freaking lucky. I just took a $15,000 credit advance out and then two $30,000 home equity loans out, and I made a million dollars off of it. I will be off to the best start that I've ever been. I'm going to pay off those debts. I'm going to pay off my house. I'm going to pay off whatever student loans that I have. I'm going to go get myself a nice house. I'm going to put the rest of it in probably some interest-bearing assets, okay? And then maybe just start over with like $25,000 in your house. Okay, maybe just take like $50,000 and just trade with it. Learn to trade right. But no, one million wasn't enough. He needed more. So just going on through this article, he talked about when he is doing his trading, he won't want to eat. That's what his wife said. He would have nightmares at night. Red flag right there. He's trading with too big a position sizes. Not only that, he's trading with debt. Don't do that either. That's what happens too when you trade in margin. That's why I don't trade in margin. I trade with my money. But he's trading in debt. He's paying interest on that debt, obviously. Nobody gives you free interest loans unless you're a bank getting money from the Federal Reserve, right? Or you're Amazon getting a 0.8% interest. But the guys have nightmares. He can't eat. Dude, too big a position sizes. You're going to be sick. You can't do that. That's an automatic telltale sign. You need to curb back your position sizes. And in his case, you need to stop trading with debt. The article goes on to talk about Silicon Valley and how it created uh, Robin Hood between these two young guys that came out of Stanford, has an $8.3 billion valuation. But the article goes on to talk about some things that the employees who didn't want to be named at Robin Hood said about the company and how it uses nudges and push notifications to to push inexperienced investors into the riskiest trading situations, according to an analysis of industry data and legal filings, as well as interviews with nine current and former Robinhood employees and more than a dozen customers. And apparently that the data shows that it's best for the company when they do that. Here's the crazy thing. In the first three months of 2020, Robinhood users traded nine times as many shares as E-Trade customers and 40 times as many shares as Charles Schwab customers per dollar in the average customer account in the most recent quarter. And they also bought and sold 88 times as many risky option contracts as Schwab customers relative to the average size account, according to analysis. What that, does that mean? They're just they're just buying YOLO calls, man. These people are doing that. They're buying penny stock trash. They're, they're going after dumpster diving corporations. They're going after the Hertzes of the world. You don't have to take my word for it. Look at RobinHoodTrack.net, uh, I think is the website. They show you all of the uh, the, the current popularity changes in stocks, the most widely held positions among Robinhood users. It goes on to talk about the technology issues. I mean, there was one day where like Robinhood was shut down for two days and was during some of the most volatile, violent market action we have ever seen before. People lost a lot of money. 
Now, it talks about the guy Alex Kearns. He was a 20-year-old college student in Nebraska. Kills himself after he logged into the app to find a balance had dropped to negative $730,000. And it was a figure that was partly because of some incomplete trades that he didn't make. And in his suicide letter, he wrote, quote, There's no intention to be assigned this much and take this much risk. So it talks about how Robinhood's average customer is young and lacks investing know-how. I believe it because I've gotten a lot of these people emailing me, not even realizing what days the markets are open, what days they're closed. Most of them happening to be, why am I why am I getting flagged as a pattern day trader? Well, there's some regulation there and you're day trading. You can't do that if you have an account less than $25,000. Not my rules, it's the government's rules. There was some crazy stuff here. This is one of my favorite paragraphs in this article. It says, some have visited Robin Hood's headquarters in Menlo Park, California in recent years to confront the staff about their losses. Dude, these people are going ape. They're taking all these losses and they're like, I'm confronting them. Anyway, you don't want to know why they're having to go down to the headquarters? Robin Hood doesn't even have a phone number. They don't have a phone number. So these people, if they're not getting answered answers to their emails, which I'm sure Robin Hood gets a tons of emails, they're going down to the headquarters. And what's crazy is that they had that this that the Robin Hood headquarters had to install bulletproof glass at the front entrance. I mean, there had to be something that sparked the whole let's install some bulletproof glass. There had to be some crazy, crazy get the cops involved kind of instances that's going down at the Robin Hood headquarters. So yeah, Robin Hood's business, it wants you to trade more because the more they can get people to trade, the more they get in profits for their companies. So they're trying to incentivize their customers to trade more. And this is what New York Times says here. It says that's because it makes money through a complex practice known as payment for order flow. And it says that every time that a Robinhood customer trades, there's Wall Street firms out there that actually buy or sell the shares and determine what price the customer gets. These firms pay Robinhood for the right to do this because they engage in a form of arbitrage by trying to buy or sell the stock for a profit over what that Robinhood customer will receive. Obviously, this isn't new to the trading world. We've been knowing about this for years, right? Everybody pretty much does it. But Robinhood gets a ton of money. Why? Because their customers are probably more profitable than your E-Trade customers or your TD Ameritrade customers. These people are trading like crazy. They're probably trading with bigger bid and ask spreads so that there's probably more opportunity for these Wall Street firms to make more money off of them. But this article actually says Robinhood got $18,955 from the trading firms for every dollar in the average customer account, while Charles Schwab made $195. That's crazy. That's 15 times more than what Schwab gets. TD Ameritrade gets $1,881 while E-Trade gets $1,326. That's crazy. So I didn't know this either, but I guess back in June, Ashton Kutcher, I guess he has invested in Robinhood as a company. I'm assuming that might be like an angel investor. Attended one of the company's weekly staff meetings on Zoom and celebrated success by comparing it to gambling websites according to three people who were on the Zoom call. Now, Kucher backtracked his whole statement, obviously, and he's trying to say, oh, no, there's there's no comparison of business models nor the experience that Robinhood provides its customers. But the app tries to almost make it like a slot machine. You click on one of its trendy stocks of the day, a green button pops up with the word trade, and you can just buy it right there, man. No sweat. I mean, you go through Fidelity, and you're like, confirm this order, confirm that thing, you know, and it's like asking you everything about it, right? Robin has just pressed a button. I've never even used the app before, okay? But I've seen the interface. It's crazy. It's literally like a freaking casino. So how popular has Robinhood been? It's got 13 million accounts, up from 10 million at the end of 2019. It has more than Schwab, has more than E-Trade. E-Trade only has 5.5 million. Robin has 13 million accounts. 13 million. Here's the crazy thing. That's reliability. 47 times since March has Robinhood gone down versus 10 times for Schwab. 47 times. Dude, that... I would lose my mind over something like that. I'd lose my mind over 10 times for Schwab. TD Ameritrade's no saint. I use them. It goes down a bunch. I've used uh, Fidelity. They go down too. 
but I don't see anything that's as bad as Robinhood. I would never, ever use a Robinhood app. And according to four Robinhood employees who declined to be identified, said the outage was rooted in issues with the company's phone app and servers. They said the startup had underinvested in technology and moved too quickly rather than carefully. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Here's a funny <laughs> here, Mr. Dobatos, that guy I was talking about earlier. He said he suffered his biggest losses during the March outage. The $860,000 that he says his record shows. So he's planning on taking his case to financial regulators for arbitration. Dude, so he's blaming it on them too. Anybody who lost money, they're going to say that they couldn't get in on their account on that particular day. That we would have sold, I tried to sell, but I couldn't get in. And how are you going to prove it otherwise? You're trying to improve intentions and you can't. Anyways, this this article is crazy. Again, I would recommend that you read it. I just kind of gave you like a, a summary of it. But yeah, it's called Robinhood has lured young traders sometimes with devastating results. I'm not a fan of Robinhood. I'm not a fan of what they're doing, that trying to give you that impression. I, they're saying that they don't do it intentionally, but it sure does seem like it, okay? But my goodness, the people who it's attracting, they're making awful decisions for themselves. And yes, every brokerage out there has people who are blowing up accounts, but it seems like the Robinhood traders, they don't know what the heck they're doing as a whole. There's some good ones out there. Like I said, I know that there's some good ones out there, and this podcast isn't for you. Keep doing what you're doing. But man, this herd mentality, keep following everything that's going up and just keep going higher and higher and higher and higher and showing no regard for risk or reward. That stuff's going to kill you, man. I say this literally almost every podcast, I think now. Over the last, what, 20 weeks or so? I'm like sounding the bell. Guys, be careful out there. You don't have to make every dollar that the market has to offer. At some point, you've got to try to bring some restraint. Manage the risk, man. If, you, if you're up a ton, pull it back a little bit. You don't have to keep pushing the gas pedal at full blast. Walk away with some money in hand. And the best way to do is by managing the risk. That's going to do it for today. I know I was a little bit fired up. This article blew my mind. If you have any questions, though, make sure to reach out to me, Ryan at SharePlanner.com. Thank you. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePlanner.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePlanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at SharePlanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Yeah.